Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Duke Backus. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. Can I remind somebody tonight, church, that this isn't a church? We are the church. Can I remind you tonight, church, that this is not the church? We are the church. Amen? Can I remind somebody tonight that this building was established not just to be a gathering place for believers. It's not supposed to just be a place where you can hang out and get, you know, hype in the Lord. It's a divinely ordained place where the saints of God, the sons and daughters of God, we lift up holy hands to give him who is worthy all the honor, church. All the glory and all the praise, amen? So I want us to just take a moment right now, right there where you are. Praise and worship's not over. I want you to just take a moment right there where you are to give him all the praise and glory right now. Just begin to thank him. Jesus, we love you, Lord. We bless your holy name, God. We thank you for testimony, God. We thank you for answered prayer, oh Jesus. We thank you, God, because, Lord, we are your sons and we are your daughters. We thank you, oh Lord, because, God, you are moving in our midst, Lord. I thank you, Jesus, because I know, God, that you are alive and well, God, that you are real, Father, and that you act and you move on the behalf of your children, God. You delight in us, Lord. You delight in our prayers, oh God. I don't hear anybody praising him. I say, we are here to praise you, Jesus. We are here to glorify your name, God. We are here to magnify your name, O oh Lord. You are worthy. Tell him tonight, you are worthy. You are worthy, Jesus. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy. You are worthy, Jesus. We thank you tonight, God. Because it was not by might. It was not by power, but it was by your spirit, says the Lord. Amen. The Redeemer alone, church. The Redeemer alone is worthy of praise. The Redeemer alone is the one who sets you free. It is all because of Jesus. It is all because of Jesus. And so this house, this temple, this place of establishment where we come together, church, we need to give God glory here. We need to give God glory here. But I want to read this verse to you, and then we're going to pray. Matthew 21 and verse 12. Jesus entered the temple courts, and he drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those who were selling doves. Verse 13, he said, it is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. I want us to pray tonight. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Holy Spirit, speak to us tonight. Holy Spirit, speak to us tonight, oh God. Minister your word to us, Lord. Minister your word, Lord, to every heart in this place, Lord. That your word would go forth, God, and it would bear much fruit, Lord, in the lives of your children. Lord, I humble myself, God, as your vessel tonight. Lord, I humble myself before you. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would rest upon me tonight, that you would speak through me, Lord. May the word, Father, fall on good soil tonight. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Since the earliest of times, church, since the earliest of the church, men have tried to profit from the goodness of God. 
From the beginning, from the earliest of times, men have tried to profit from the goodness of God. They've tried to turn God's establishment into a way of self-gain. Instead of finding men of God teaching the word of God, instead of hearing a room full of, filled with prayers and praises, Jesus walked into a flea market. How many of you have been to the flea market? Come on. Or in South Texas, La Pulga. <laughs> and at the flea market, they sell everything, right? At the flea market, you can buy whatever you want. At the flea market, they got cheap stuff. They got nice stuff. They got stuff that was stolen. They got all kinds of stuff at the flea market. And Jesus walks into his temple. He walks into the place where his name is supposed to be glorified. He walks into the tabernacle house of God. He walks into this place where they, they are supposed to be teaching from the scriptures. They are supposed to be praying. And as he enters into this place, he finds them doing the exact opposite. They're having a flea market. They're having a bargain bazaar. They're having a garage sale in the middle of God's house. And in a holy rage, the Bible says that he overturned the tables of money. He overturned those tables of the money changers. He pushed over the benches of those who were selling doves. And he proclaimed for every single man, woman, and child, every single dove, every single seller, every single thief. He said, my house will be called a house of prayer. It will be a house of prayer. This is one of Jesus' first encounters that scripture teaches us about. This is one of the first times that he ever sets foot in a temple and he finds that it's completely twisted. If he walked into the churches that are so-called churches in America in 2022, would he overturn tables? Oh. Would he scream from the top of his lungs, my house will be called a house of prayer. But you have made it into a den of thieves. You made it into a den of robbers. Churches in 2022 look more like a den of robbers than a house of prayer. Can somebody say amen? amen? There's a lot of leaders out there that are more interested in their self-gain, their popularity, their status quo than the kingdom of God resting upon his people. They're more interested in what they're going to get from it and what they're going to get out of it than what God had called them to do. Ministers have exchanged the glory of God for gold necklaces and change. Pastors have exchanged the spirit for spending habits. And what was once God's house of prayer has been reduced to man's house of hoard. I believe one of the most profound statements that Jesus ever made, church, was thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Listen to me, church. When men and women have been trained by false doctrine, their concerns become less about God's kingdom and more about their own wealth and health. When they have been trained by a false gospel, listen to me carefully. When they have been trained by a false gospel, it's less about the kingdom of God. And it's more about their wealth and it's more about their health. Jesus mentioned in the, in the parables of the four soils in the book of Mark, Mark 4 and 19. He says, but the worries of this life, 
The deceitfulness of wealth. That word deceitful means that that the enemy has tricked you. He's duped you into believing something that's false. It says the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things come in. They choke the word and they make it unfruitful. They choke out the word and they make it unfruitful. How many of you have ever ran the treadmill faith? Somebody raise your hand tonight. You might be asking Pastor Duke, what is the treadmill faith? It means that you're praying and you're doing and you're singing and you're coming to church and you got the Bible under your arm and you're doing everything that seems religiously and routinely right, but you're going nowhere. It's like a treadmill. You're getting tired, but you're going nowhere. You're sweating, you're breaking a sweat, but nothing's happening. And it's probably the most frustrating place that you can be in your relationship with God because the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things, they choke out the word and they make it unfruitful in your life. Matthew 13 and 22, he said, The seed falling amongst the thorns refers to somebody who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful in your life. Can I remind you tonight, church, that Jesus is not returning For churchgoers. That was better than your response. (laughs) Jesus is not returning for churchgoers. Jesus is not returning for people that exist inside of a church. I can stand in my garage, but it does not make me a car. Jesus is looking for those who are going to bear much fruit. Jesus is going to return for disciples. Amen. Jesus is going to return for those that look like him, those that walk like him, those that talk like him, those that live like him, those that proclaim the kingdom of God like him. That's who Jesus is coming back for, church. Guess what? He's not coming back for those who are fruitless. He's not coming back for those who are fruitless. John 15, you know the scripture. Let's read it anyways. Verse 1, he says, I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. And he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Listen, sometimes you got to let God trim you up. Sometimes you need to let the Lord just prune your life. There's things that the Lord wants to take out of your life, off of your life, from your life. He wants to refine your character. He wants to refine your person in him. But listen, you have to stay still so that he can prune your life. So that you can bear much fruit. He goes on to say, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I also remain in you. He says, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. That's the treadmill faith. You go nowhere. You get nothing. You cannot bear the fruit on your own. He said, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. You see, church, a disciple knows and lives the gospel. 
A disciple knows and lives the gospel. They're not just hearers of the word that James mentions. They're not just hearers or, or, or you have the other side. There's people that don't know the word, but they're just trying to do a bunch of stuff. They're just passing out water to people. They're just trying to do a bunch of feel good, do good, nice things, nice gestures, thinking that somehow their good works will get them into the kingdom. A disciple knows and lives the gospel. They are those who have been trained in righteousness through the power of the Holy Spirit to reveal the kingdom of God wherever they go. That's what a disciple looks like. Can I say that one more time? They are those who have been trained in righteousness through the Holy Spirit, listen to me, to reveal the kingdom of God wherever they go. It serves no purpose for you to eat your own fruit. Your fruit is an offering to him. Your fruit is what he is looking for. If all we do is hoard the gospel, if all we do is take it and keep it for ourselves, then nobody else hears. What does Romans 10 say? And how can they hear unless somebody is preaching to them? Amen? And how will, they, how will they know, how will they go unless somebody goes to tell them of the gospel? We are to live out Romans 10. We are to live out Matthew 10. If you don't know it, highlight it, write it down, read it on your own time. We are to live out the gospel. Acts 17, 23 says, for in him we live and we move and we have our being. If you take from this service everything, and you keep it for yourself, you're not living out the kingdom. You're just building up your storehouse. You're just building up for self-gain, for self-prosperity. A churchgoer, a robber, a den of thieves has no interest in the Father's business. They have no interest in God's glory. Their appetite is their stomach. Their pleasure is not in delighting God, but in hearing what their itching ears want to hear. 2 Timothy 3 says this, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Verse 5 says, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Have nothing to do with such people. Have nothing to do with such people. Listen to me, church. It is time to get away from dead branches and get connected to the vine. Amen? Amen. It is time to get away from dead branches and get connected to the vine. Some of you have been fellowshipping with people that have a form of godliness, but they lack the power thereof. Have nothing to do with them. It's not my word. It's what the scripture is telling me. It's what the scripture is saying. Some of you have been fellowship. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, it says, what fellowship does light have with darkness? Even, it goes on to say, even Satan masquerades as an angel of light. Even he's trying to put on a front and show people and say, look at me, I look like I'm godly. I taught a series many years ago. Maybe I'll bring it up again, but it was on Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit. 
And I said, if you want to know if somebody is a disciple, all you got to do is smell their fruit. Fruit smells delicious, amen? How many of you are hungry tonight? Praise God. Fruit's awesome. My wife and I were actually, we were talking this morning, and, and uh, I don't even know how we got on the conversation, but we were talking about fruit. She's like, oh, I want an avocado tree. And I was looking up some avocado, you know, trees and stuff, and I found some on Craigslist, and they were like this big. And then I, I, I Googled some information about an avocado tree, and I realized that avocado tree is probably not for us because it's going to take like seven or eight more years for it to actually give us an avocado. I was like, ah, I don't want to wait that long. I'll go to, to H-E-B, and then, and then I ended up stumbling across a guy that was selling like a whole box of tomatoes for eight bucks. I was like, yeah, that's the guy right there. <laughs> Growing fruit is too difficult. <laughs> it requires so much care. It requires so much time. But the reward of the fruit is pleasing. It's sweet. It smells delicious. How many of you all clean with like lemony stuff at your house? Yeah. Smells awesome. I got like a, a cherry, I don't know what it is. It's like that car air freshener. It smells like cherry. So like, you know, every now and again, you know, if my truck stinks or whatever, I'm just like. It's like God dropped a box of cherries in my, in my truck. And if you want to know if somebody's a disciple, smell their fruit. It's very simple. Smell their fruit. And so listen, it's important for us to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit now in the time and the season that we are living in. And this is crucial. This is crucial because you could be sitting uh, and fellowshipping with a Judas. You could be fellowshipping with somebody that has, does not have the kingdom in mind. Their sole purpose, their sole goal is completely, you know, far from the things of God. And it's important that we understand, church, that we have to follow the word, what it is telling us, it says they have a form of godliness, but they lack the power thereof. Just because men appoint themselves as pastors, apostles, teachers, prophets, and evangelists doesn't mean that God has. It does not mean that God has. I've been a pastor in this valley for 19 years, and, and one of the craziest things that I've seen is, is I've seen churches split and split and split and split and split and split and split. And it's because God called somebody else to be a pastor. Really. God called you to split up the church that he planted you in? Really, God called you to be prideful enough to not submit to those in leadership that God placed you under? No. My God doesn't do things that way. You'll never trick me into believing that lie. And so you have a lot of self-appointed people, a lot of self-appointed men. And just because churches say the name of Jesus or God, but if there is no evident power in their midst, they are fraudulent and they are without faith. Yeah, yeah I said that. Amen. They are fraudulent and they are without faith. All you got to do is go to Africa. All you got to do is go across the border. Go to a different country and watch how they worship Jesus. Watch how the power of God moves without an air-conditioned building. Watch how the power of God moves without a worship team but without instruments. I was talking to Brother Linnell the other day, and he was telling me about some of his mission trips and how God just moved and moved and moved. And listen, it's because here there's something, it's called pride. There they're humble. They have nothing. They have nothing, and so therefore they, they have no pride. They're grateful for everything that God wants to do in their life. 
And so here in America, church, we need to get this thing right. We need to understand that there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people that have even called you and said, hey, come to my church. It's real nice. We got coffee before service. I had a young man tell, tell us not that long ago, a couple years ago, he said he was telling some of our young people, hey, come to my church because we got a real big screen. <laughs> so do we, I guess, but, but that's not the point of it. That's not why you're here. I said, that's not why you're here. That's not why you're here tonight. You are here because you love Jesus. You are here because you love God. Amen. You're here because you want to see the power of God move. That's why we're here. Church, the kingdom cannot be mistaken. The kingdom cannot be mistaken. When Jesus spoke, people were in awe and they were amazed. When faith was present, people were healed. When people were expectant of God's glory, signs and wonders and miracles followed. Salvation came to homes. Men and women were set free from demonic oppression. Giving and generosity and charity and love abounded. That's what the church is supposed to look like. That's what the body of Christ is supposed to look like. There was an evident power of the kingdom of God. An evident power. Not like, uh, that song was nice. I got goosebumps. <laughs> goosebumps ain't the Holy Spirit. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I remember when I received the Holy Spirit, the baptism of speaking in tongues for the first time. I was 18 years old. I was a senior in high school. We had just finished playing praise and worship. It was in the other side of the building where the children meet on Sundays. And we had just finished praise and worship. And I was walking off the pulpit. And, you know, you're, you know, you're thinking like, all right, you know, my, I'm done. And the pastor, the minister, we had a guest a minister that came to speak to us. He says, young man. Come here. And he called me out in front of the entire church. I'm thinking like, oh, man, this is it. He's going to say every bad thing that I've ever done. He's going to expose me. He's going to tell everybody that, that, you know, I got a big mouth when I'm on the tennis court and all the stuff that I used to do. He said, you've been praying for something. And instantly I knew what he was talking about. He said, you've been praying for something. And I had been praying to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I had heard people, I had seen God's power fall on different people, and for three years I had been saved, and I had never received this gift. And he said, just focus your eyes on Jesus. He said, just focus your eyes on Jesus. Just don't try to do anything, don't try to say anything, just, just focus on Jesus. And as I began to focus on Jesus, the Bible says it's like a, a spring from within, Amen that just bubbles up inside of you, and I began to speak in tongues for the first time. Because I prayed. We have to understand something, church. I want you to understand this. Be not proud because God is working at Rock of Ages. I'm going to say that one more time. Be not proud because God is working at Rock of Ages. If we are going to boast, we are going to boast in the Lord. Amen? But the kingdom, listen to me carefully, the kingdom comes to those who Walk in humility. And to those who will never rob him of his glory. To those who walk in humility and to those who will never rob him of his glory. Isaiah 42 and verse 8 says this. He says, I am the Lord. He says, and that is my name. 
I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. He says, see, the former things have taken place and new things I declare. He says, before they spring into being and I announce them to you. He says, I am the Lord. That is my name. How many of you have ever had somebody overlook you? Has that ever happened to you? I know it has. How many of you didn't get the credit for something that you did? Has that ever happened? Oh, I know that one has. That was my idea, man. You're, you know, you know they, they stand up some dude in the office and he's getting all the praise and the glory and he gets the award and he gets the extra time off and you're like, bro, I told you that. He gets the promotion or whatever it is and you're like, really? Can you... Think with me for a second how many things that God does every single day. Countless miracles, church. Countless things he's doing all across the world right now as we speak. As we exist right now. And how many times people have credited themselves. How many times people have credited the doctor? How many times people have credited their own wisdom? How many times people have credited their thinking and their hands and their abilities? And God's going like, hmm. He says, I am the Lord, and that is my name, and I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. As I was preparing this message this morning, the Holy Spirit revealed something to me. That those who were selling those doves, they weren't just selling a bird. Those who were selling the doves in the temple, they were not just selling a bird. They were trying to profit off of the kingdom, now listen to me carefully, they were exchanging the spirit for selfish gain. I'm going to say it one more time. They were exchanging spirit for selfish gain. This is what caused Jesus to become so angry. This is what caused his heart to just boil over and turn over those tables. Luke 3, 21 says this. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying... Heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven says, You are my son whom I love, and with you I am well pleased. Do you know, church, that the dove was a sign of the Spirit being with Jesus, the kingdom of heaven resting upon his life? So when he saw them selling doves, it angered him in a righteous way. It angered him to say, how dare you? How dare you? You don't even know the king that is standing before you right now. You don't even know the authority that is standing before you right now. You don't even know how powerful my name is. You don't realize how powerful my name is. That you would exchange it. You would trade it off. You would sell it for cheap. What did Judas sell out Jesus for? A field? A couple of coins in his pocket? The Son of God, he traded the glory. He traded the kingdom. He traded knowing Jesus for eternity for just a bit of change. This angered Christ so much that he had to remind those people what the purpose of the house was for. 
It was never for self-gain, but it was always for prayer, church. To see that when his people prayed, the kingdom would come. That the kingdom would never reach earth unless Jesus prayed. Matthew 14 and 23 says, After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Jesus prayed a lot. Mark chapter, four, uh, Mark chapter 1, rather, verse 35, he says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and he left the house and he went off to his solitary place where he prayed. Mark 6 and 46, it says, after leaving them, this was a multitude of people, he went on the mountainside to pray. Here's one of the main reasons why Jesus had to continually pray. We find it in Luke chapter 5, verse 15. It says, yet the news about him spread all the more, so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. There was such a great demand, church, on the kingdom of God that had been placed on the authority of his life. There was such a demand, church, that there was, there was this, this great public anointing of Jesus. People were lining up to be healed. That's what the scripture says. People were lining up to have their children set free from, from demonic oppression. People were lining up to just touch the hem of his garment. They were lining up because they saw something for the first time. They, they, they heard the message of Jesus, but they saw the kingdom of God be revealed. They saw a power that they could not possess themselves. And they were drawn to this. They were drawn to Jesus. And so this great demand was placed on his life. And the only way, church, this public anointing could continue and, and be shown was if he spent time in private with his father. If he spent time in prayer. If he spent time speaking to the Father. As children of God, church, we are designed to replicate our Father. He said, you're designed to replicate your Father. Whether you realize it or not, you're probably a lot like your dad. Whether the man was even in your life, you're probably still a lot like your dad. Because it was God's design. It was God's design from the beginning that as children of God, we would replicate the Father. That is, we are designed to bring Him glory. We're designed to please Him. We're designed to show others what He's like. And the only way we can do that is by spending time in His presence. The only way you can do that is by spending time in His presence. Lights shine because they are connected to power. Amen? They cannot illuminate themselves without electricity, and neither can a believer show the power of God without the intimacy of prayer. Without the intimacy of prayer, you can never shine the light of Jesus. Matthew 5 and 16 says, So in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And glorify the Father in heaven. To see God's kingdom come to be revealed in us and through us, we must pray. We must pray. You must pray, church. There is no other mode of operation. Isaiah 56 and verse 1 says this. Remember this. Just remember this verse. Isaiah 56, 1 through 7 says, this is what the Lord says. This is what he's calling us to, church. You don't realize how big this is. You don't realize how important this is right now. I want us to really understand this. This is what the Lord says. Maintain justice and do what is right. For my salvation is close at hand. This scripture is talking about his return. 
He's saying, my salvation is close at hand and my righteousness will soon be revealed. So blessed is the one who does this, the person who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath without desecrating it, and who keeps their hands from doing any evil. He said, let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. He said, for this is what the Lord says to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose what pleases me and who hold fast to my covenant. To them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. He said, I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and who hold fast to my covenant. These I will bring to my holy mountain, and I will give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. It's time to pray. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.